0: What's up, Kraken fans? Welcome to episode 24, a.k.a. Jamie Alexiak of Keeping Up With the Krakens, brought to you by the the Hockey Podcast Network and sponsored by DraftKings. Use promo code THPN for exclusive offers. This is your co-host of the pod, Tyler Bell, coming from the Rocky Mountains of Alberta, Canada. And once again, just like always, joined by my boy, Alec Durham. How are you doing tonight, Alec?
1: Not too bad, brother. You know, just kind of enjoying the really nice, out of nowhere, warm weather we're getting. But uh, how are you doing?
0: Oh, not too, too shabby. I mean, we just got to watch the crack and play some hockey, so that's always a bonus. Uh, And they played a pretty good game tonight against Carolina. And uh, obviously, we'll get into those details in a little bit here. First off, we're going to talk about what we're going to talk about on this podcast today. Of course, we're going to do our game breakdowns like we always do. And then we're going to preview a little bit of a Canadian road trip that they're heading on once again this season. And we got a little bit of cracking news to get into a new signing, a new prospect signing. So that's pretty exciting to talk about that. And then just a couple quotes from uh, GM Ronnie Francis that, uh, you know, we'll engage a couple more conversations we'll get into before the end of the pod. And then of course we'll end things off with a bit of a stat of the week. But first things first, Arm, I gotta ask because you had a hockey tournament this weekend. How did that go, buddy?
1: Uh the team ended up losing in the semis there, so not as good as we'd like. Ooh,
0: semis. Well, what happened there then? Uh just tough loss or what?
1: Yeah, you know, that time of year couldn't quite have everybody together. Couple positive tests, a couple of quarantines, you know, shit. Oh, happens. really?
0: So- the Nurich team getting hit with some COVID, eh?
1: Yeah, you know, it hits everybody, not just the big leagues up in the pros there. <laughs> awesome. No, no
0: uh, how is the ankle doing? No blocking shots on that ankle, I hope.
1: Actually couldn't finish the tournament.
0: Because of that?
1: Yeah, I can't fucking skate. Man,
0: reckless. This guy's reckless, everyone. Just, just gives it all just to win a... Just to win a beer league tournament. Absolutely love it, Durham. Love what you bring to the game. Um, but, yeah, maybe next weekend, uh, maybe maybe just rest it up for, for a little bit. Might be a good idea, eh?
1: Yeah, well, have to take a week off. Got another tournament in two weeks, so better be resting <laughs> for it.
0: Holy hell, buddy. All right, I like it. You know what? I've been getting on the ice more often now, too. I finally found some real pick hockey to go to on Monday nights, and then, between that, the little outdoor rink at, at Nordic has been in great shape. So, yeah, I hit the ice three times in a week. It's like a record for me. It's been so long. So that felt awesome. But, yeah, why don't we jump right into this game that the Kraken played tonight against uh, the Carolina Hurricanes. And, Durham, what did you think of this game, man? Because it was actually quite a good battle and one of the better games we've seen the Kraken play.
1: I thought it was definitely the best game they played through the week. I mean, Carolina is a hell of a hockey team to play it against too, right? Like losing like that in a tight game, that's no slouch.
0: No, it wasn't. And uh, yeah, at the, you know, the start of it, uh, Carolina looked like they were coming out guns blazing. And then you know the game kind of calmed down a bit. The Kraken found their legs. And very similar to last game where uh, it was uh, a very tight, you know, four-check heavy style hockey game. Uh, but in this one, unfortunately, uh, I think the special teams ended up being uh, the biggest factor in this one and kind of why the Kraken fell uh, in this hockey game and uh, couldn't get the win.
1: You know where they might have fell as well is uh, no moral victory they were striving for there. Why the hell is Hayden Fleury not playing against Carolina? Second time in a row he's been scratched. Yeah, he never got an opportunity against his
0: old team and... I don't know what it is. Coach Hack seems to be riding, uh, riding the Lazon train as of recently because neither uh, Flurry or Will Borgen are really getting many opportunities as of late, and Lazon seems, seems to be getting all the ice time. Uh, so, yeah, a bit questionable there. Uh, so, you know, that's a tough one, right?
1: Yeah, it didn't quite make sense to me wasn't really a fan of it i mean you got an opportunity to get a guy in there and right ron francis would know this as well i mean he was from carolina when they drafted Hmm.
0: yeah 100 percent. and not only that but uh you know this was the second game of a back-to-back uh and you know this carolina team obviously buzzing right they're first in their division going into it first in the eastern conference going into this game Second in the NHL with 81 points going into the game, now have 83. That puts them just two points back of uh, Colorado for first. So, I mean, you're talking about basically, I mean, they are a solidified top three team in the league. No question about it. And the fact that they didn't throw any fresh bodies into this game and kept the exact same lineups from uh, the night before against Washington, pretty questionable in my uh, in my. You know, my thought process there.
1: Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. You'd probably have an opportunity to get rest for a couple guys, especially with guys just coming back off the IR as well. Yeah, you know, exactly. You know, bodies.
0: Yeah. You know, Schwartz, he was off for quite a while. He was able to get brought in the night before, which was exciting. Um, But again, it's going to take those guys a couple games just to find their legs. You know, McCann was another one of those guys. He wasn't off as long, but uh, that's, he's still going to have that same effect. Those legs are going to feel a little bit heavy. Um, The only lineup change we've seen was uh, the German gentleman being back in that after uh, not after Drieger started the last two games and was kind of subpar in those games. So that um, was good to see uh, the Grubauer back in net there because he's just been a solid goaltender for this team for uh, the last few weeks and probably their best player, I would think.
1: Yeah, and I mean, he'd have to be their best player tonight with Carolina coming out flying in the first period and really had Seattle on their heels. Some big saves from Grubauer and he definitely kept the boys in it early.
0: No, 100 percent. and. One other thing I wanted to touch on too was the fact that Ryan Donato. This was his second game in a row being scratched. Um, this guy is fourth on this team uh, in goals. Uh, he's tied. He was tied with yarn crack going in, and uh, you know, with 11 goals. And the fact that this guy's being healthy scratched back-to-back nights, like what, what kind of, uh, what kind of lineup decision is that from Haxtell? Why, why do you, why is that happening? Because I'm confused by it.
1: I don't know, probably took his daughter out for sushi and didn't call her back. <laughs> That's what you're going with? All right, we'll roll with it. You know what? If it's fake news, it's fake
0: news. We'll still spread it on the internet. But like you said, the Canes came out flying in the first period. And then got um, kind of by that first commercial break, our boy John Forslund gets a nice ovation from the home crowd for you know being one of the best commentators in the NHL. Spent many, many years as the the commentator for the carolina hurricanes and you could tell how much they really loved this guy there because he got it like a standing ovation um with a, was it a, almost not quite a, tr- a video tribute but as close as possible as you can get for a commentator that was pretty special
1: right eh? yeah that was pretty neat to see i mean i still remember everyone with the big uproar when he wasn't brought back with uh oh, shit, I can't remember the owner's name in Carolina there now, but when he was all like, oh, we've set numbers for what people's value are worth, not just the players, and they didn't bring Forslund back, there was quite the uproar on Kane's Twitter there. There was,
0: and, you know, now that we've watched uh, a lot of Kraken games this year and got to hear him, uh, you know, talking through all those games, and, dude, he's a stud. He's one of the best in the NHL, in my opinion, and and, uh, in what he does, so... Man, I, I, I love this guy. He's just, he's always exciting to listen to, no matter how the game is going, really. And you know, just John Forsman he's got all my respect.
1: Yeah, and then uh, and, Seattle would you know, get the first power play chance of the night, too, which started off with a huge breakaway save from the Grumeister taking the Ajo shot right off the dome. Yeah, that was pretty nice, eh?
0: And then right after that, the Kraken finally get a few pucks towards the net. Uh, and a lot of those chances came from the second power play unit. Uh, Geeky had a very nice feed to Yarncroc out front, but he is absolutely robbed in front of the Canes snap there by Antiranta. And that power play still struggling, not able to get it done.
1: Yeah, something you'd like to see them improve in this game. You, know, you get a few more power play goals than the other team, but uh, both goalies were kind of sharp early on, so you could kind of see this might be a goaltending battle.
0: Very sharp early on. Our boy Grubauer stepping up once again. Like uh, like I said, he's he's got to be one of the best Kraken players in the second half of the season, uh, and I, I don't think that's up for debate. Uh, but very even first period of play, that was scoreless. So you love to see it against uh, high-flying Kane's team especially in their barn that's a tough place to play
1: yeah and the start of the second period there carolina takes an early too many men penalty and kraken finally get themselves a power play goal as wenberg jams one in from the side of the net
0: yeah dude it's about time a freaking power play goal are we talking about the kraken here That's the first power play goal since Vince Vince Dunn scored the opening goal of the game against Winnipeg on the power play. Winnipeg, yeah, that was eight games ago, Durham. Eight games ago since the last one. That is just, oof, tough.
1: Yeah, that's freaking unreal. In a bad way. Yeah, not a good way. Yeah.
0: (laughs) But, uh, yeah, after that, um, Seattle, what they would go shorthanded uh, pretty much right after that goal. Don Scully took a high sticking penalty, and the Kraken's lead would be short lived, unfortunately, because just seven seconds or 11 seconds left on that power play for the Canes. Uh, Nino Niederreiter is able to beat Grubauer, and he ties the game right back up to make it 1 1 early on in the second
1: period. But just a minute six after that seattle would regain the lead what the fuck that's right we scored a goal when your boy gets sent in alone off a sweet pass from larson and he just rips it over ranta's shoulder
0: that was a piss missile from uh cali yarn there and uh i mean this guy's been pretty consistent as of lately now or as of late uh he's starting to pot goals in that's his 12th goal now and the exact right time you need this guy heating up because we're what two weeks out less than two weeks out now from the trade deadline and teams are going to be calling about uh your boy boy here and not that we want him to go but the price is increasing game after game for this guy in my opinion so that was uh that was just awesome to see uh that snipe from him
1: yeah man that was just an absolute monster of a shot
0: Yeah, and after that goal, man, the Canes really picked up the pace, too. Uh, You could tell they were just pressing hard after that. And, uh, you know, John Forslund said it best. Uh, He said something like uh, the Kraken have an underlying will in this hockey game. Uh, He's talking about them to try to win, of course. But unfortunately, Durham, so did Carolina. Because before that second period ended, uh, Tivo and would get one pass Grubauer on the power play and just four seconds into that man advantage what happened on that play that was a bit yikes
1: well right after the face off there it's just a little bit of a scramble and our centerman loses where Aho is and the number one job is after a face off you can't lose your centerman right. Aho mm-hmm. just kind of spins out towards the back, opens up, puck bounces out right to him, and hell of a pass by him. Heads up in an instant play to just kick it out six seven feet there to Teravainen, and he's got the tap in. Yeah, he
0: had uh, a lot of cage to, to try to put that in, and he made no mistake there. Oh, four seconds though—that's that's big time yikes! But did you see uh, Vince Dunn's block just uh, before that power before that penalty was called there? Yeah, he, uh, he caught that puck right in the family jewels. That looked like it uh, it, it might have shook him up a bit.
1: Yeah, that hurt almost as much as losing the lead.
0: <laughs> yeah, it hurt just to watch. I can't remember any particular shots to the jewels like that that I've had, but uh, what about yourself?
1: No, but I remember uh, playing with a guy. He got hit in the nuts and it uh, broke his jock, actually. Jesus. he was down for a while
0: that that just screams pain yeah i can't remember any too much in uh in ice hockey but i remember a lot in floor hockey i feel like tennis balls just wanted to find their way there all the time uh whether it was street hockey or in class um, it just seemed to always happen for some reason with tennis tennis balls so um it's just the way it goes i guess eh? protect That's those just the way the ball bounces yeah well yeah just the way the ball makes the balls bounce. So, um, yeah, in that third period, though, uh, you know, it started off pretty similar to uh, kind of that first period. Carolina was kind of, you know, jumping on the crack and early on. Grubauer had to come up with a few more huge saves uh, just to keep them in it. And then we'd see, Sa- uh, we'd see Seattle uh, would get another nice power play look there, but they weren't able to capitalize on that, so that was unfortunate.
1: Yeah, and you know, of course, Carolina would come right back scoring the go-ahead goal with Martin Nikash picks up a loose puck out front and was able to just squeeze it through Grubauer's legs.
0: Yeah, what happened on that goal? Because that, that's just unfortunate uh, that Nikash was able to f- kind of find that loose puck. It just looked like a kind of a scrambly play there. And, and Nikash wraps it around and, and kind of catches Grubauer off guard and out of position, eh?
1: Yeah, to me it looked like when they would work the puck up and around from one like for down from the corner there up to the blue line and over D to D, everyone just kind of forgot about Cash when he snuck into the back post there and everyone got caught puck watching and forgot about other people on their own team too and got clusterfucked together there. And when Larson goes to spin around noticing Cash is gonna get the puck, he's like, Oh shit, I'm all tangled up in this big cluster of people out front of my net. Oh, it's in my net. Oh. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that was unfortunate too, especially with how much time was left in the hockey game. You you got uh, you know, basically just under six minutes left in the game. And that pretty much forced Seattle to pull the goalie, which they did quite early again, only being down a goal. They pulled with two minutes and thirty-one seconds left in the hockey game. And they actually had some pretty good sustained pressure that we're not used to seeing when the when the uh when the goalies pulled for this hockey team, they had about eight point shots and then tons of pressure to leading into the final seconds of that hockey game. But uh, unfortunately, like we said, Seattle uh, falls short in this one and they lose this game three to two. And uh, like we said, you know, I, I'm not mad about this effort. I thought it was a pretty good effort and a strong effort, but just unfortunate. Uh, you take a look at uh, the battle with special teams in this game and you'd like to at least have one of those power play goals back. uh, And that could make the difference in this hockey game.
1: Yeah. I mean, like you said, that's a hell of a game to play against a team like Carolina. So you're not unfortunate. You're not unhappy with the result. You just think it's unfortunate.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You gotta be happy with that kind of effort. Uh, You know, you're talking about two teams who are on the opposite spectrum of the standings in the NHL, the Kraken with 17 wins carolina with 22 not 22 wins 22 more wins than seattle now and when you think of it that way that seems pretty bonkers eh
1: yeah that's a little wild like they have more wins more than we have than we have
0: yeah Yeah. and and they were a bounce you know, a lucky bounce away from being able to grab that lead in the in the third period. But I think the Canes just brought a little bit more in that third period and wanted that win a bit more. Uh they're they were looking a little bit more hungry
1: in that game, in that third period. That's the rod the bot effect. Yeah.
0: But anyways, moving on from tonight's game, we uh we move it back one whole week ago on the Sunday night when they faced off in their 55th game of the year against San Jose. And like we talked about on the last pod, this is a team that uh, Seattle has found a lot of success against so far this year, you know, beating San Jose multiple times already. And uh, the tough thing though, was they didn't have Jared McCann uh, to help for that game because that was his second game in a row sitting due to injury. So again, that was a big hit. Uh, You know, they're already down Jaden Schwartz and uh, pretty depleted up front uh, in the lineup. eh?
1: Yeah, those are two big hits, especially being lefty-handed guys, too, because you want to keep the balance going from left to right there and keep the scoring and offensive threats throughout your lineup, balance from both sides of the ice. And unfortunately, those are two big holes you're going to have to try and fill.
0: Yeah, and they had to do that all week against some pretty uh, tough opponents. Uh, the, The one thing was Grubauer was starting his Fifth straight game in a row in uh, this this game against San Jose. What do you think of that? Fifth, fifth game in a row?
1: Well, man, got hot and was staying hot, so fucking ride the hot hand.
0: Exactly. I completely agree with that. And kind of looking at uh, some of the game notes in this one, Shea started things off with a nice quality chance in front of uh, the Sharks net there. Off a very nice saucer pass from Donskoy. That was a really good look uh, to, to start the game off, wasn't it?
1: Well, he's not, you know, putting up 25 assists of one goal for a reason, right?
0: <laughs> exactly. When you look at those ratios, you got to think, he, you know, his passing game has been uh, the more quality part of his game so far. But honestly, that first period was full of all sorts of great looks and opportunities for the Kraken. Uh, honestly I thought it was one of the best periods I've seen them play almost all season long uh, especially during the uh, the losing skid they were in and uh, he, he, it was really nice but unfortunately it was just the third shot on net for the Sharks 17 minutes into the first and Dezingle just beats Grubauer cleanly from the high slot was able to just walk in basically untouched and put it five hole on grubauer so that was a tough one especially with how good the kraken were playing up to that point
1: yeah i mean unfortunately that's one he was going to want back it was a little bit on the weaker side but just nine seconds later morgan geeky answers with a wicked backhander top shelf tie in the game right away
0: yeah and uh not only that he this whole week of uh morgan geeky has been quite impressive and i feel like he's elevated his game so um yeah that was a nice goal to answer right away from morgan geeky and thank god to because uh they were thank god they were just able to answer that because they were out shooting san jose 19 to 4 that is a classic case of ice till in favor for the kraken right there
1: oh my god ea nhl would have just been filled up on reddit
0: screaming
1: yeah no kidding and
0: you know from what we saw in that first period there absolutely no complaints um great job by the Kraken too, just establishing a really hard four check early in the game and to do that on the road um you know you could tell they had a lot of confidence uh coming into San Jose they're a team that they've had a lot of success against
1: yeah, they came in with a game plan, too. And uh, you'd see in the second period there, it'd start off with a bit of violence when Lozon drops the mitts with Keaton Middleton and earns himself the takedown.
0: Yeah, great to see Lozon continue to engage and bring a nasty side to his game. Uh, so that was really good to see. And shortly after, Yarn Kroc uh, appeared to score the goal, the go-ahead goal there, but they would actually review it and determined that uh, Marcus Johansson interfered enough with Reimer, and it was deemed no goal. Yeah, so, I don't understand that. I don't either, man. I don't either. That was a weird one, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, Johansson shoved into Reimer, and he makes every attempt to stay off of him. So is that not a blown call? that That's
0: what I, my thoughts were we've seen that get called the total opposite way. How many times this year, uh, Joe hansen's just out front of the net. And like you said, he shoved in from the defender shoved into Reimer. And anytime that happens, uh, usually they'll call that a goal because it's the defenseman shoving a player into his own goalie, causing that interference to happen. Um, but this time it didn't go the crack in its way. So that was unfortunate. And, um it almost uh, seemed like it shifted things a bit in that hockey game
1: yeah I mean fuck how many times has poor Giordano had that shit called against him this year yeah
0: yeah we could uh we could recall multiple times so um I was booing at the ref you know even from my my screen at home uh wasn't too thrilled with that call and yeah I don't know what it is but the Kraken just haven't had much luck with those calls this season
1: Yeah, and and of course, you know, the Sharks would take the lead right away. Fuck you, Stripes. Some dude named Scott Reedy scores his first (laughs) NHL goal.
0: Yeah, um, that was just a terrible sequence there where the Kraken should have been up a goal, and then right away they find themselves down a goal. And, you know, we played off. We know how depleting that feels, uh, especially on your bench. It's not a good feeling and it kind of takes the wind out of your sails a bit
1: yeah it kind of just sucks the life out of your soul it does and
0: you could tell you know the Kraken they finished that second period getting out shot that period uh 11 to 9 which isn't too too bad they were still up 28 to 15 after uh, you know in the in the shooting department after that but uh like we said it just kind of looked like they felt uh, or they looked a little depleted mentally near the end of that second period. After that blown call, uh, it, it's tough, man. It, it's tough. And then the third period started with the and having to kill back-to-back penalties. So that doesn't help either.
1: Yeah, that definitely doesn't help the refs want to get on your side or feeling like they're on your side either. But, you know, leave it up to Grubauer to once again be tasked with having to keep the Kraken in the hockey game.
0: Yeah, after those penalty kills, that great job by Grubauer there. And, yeah, Seattle had a couple shifts where they showed, like, great pushback, like, really good pushback, trying their best to kind of pick up, you know, a third victory against the Sharks team. But, you know, they end up giving up another first goal of their career to Jonah Gatchovich. (laughs) Gatchovich? He gets credit for the goal. And another kind of controversial one, it ends up going off the skate, um, but you could tell, uh, you know, it, it was almost a kicking motion because of the way he turned into it, but he didn't know the puck was there. So th- this one I wasn't too upset about.
1: I guess that's fair then. We'll let the kid have his first goal. Whatever. Yeah.
0: Whatever. Take it because, you know, it was about five minutes left in the game. That pretty much wrapped up the game, and uh, unfortunately, Seattle – Dropping their third affair to the Sharks, 3-1. Um, yeah, tough game to lose after completely dominating the first period and ended up out shooting the Sharks 40-24 to in the hockey game. So um, I feel like it was just a couple bad sequences that um, really cost the game for the Kraken because their effort was there in this game too.
1: Yeah, I mean, and that's a st- tough one for the stat watchers too because they're going to look at it and be like, oh, well, you should have won that game what the hell yeah
0: yeah that's the thing when it comes to stats and watching the game there's so much differences that the stats just you know they can't add up and can't you know uh make sense of it all so um some unlucky bounces it's just unfortunate to crack in with guys like McCann out of the lineup they you know they've already been struggling to score goals and you take your best goal score out of the lineup and boom you only end up scoring one against San Jose just wasn't enough to get the job done that game.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're going to have to score more than that usually on any night, no matter who you're playing against. So, exactly. unfortunately, the offense wasn't there, but hopefully when Caner and Schwartz get back and get back into the groove of things, that's when it really starts popping off.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, what, a couple games now, and uh, it, it's looking all right. Like, you know, I feel like Schwartz is slowly finding his game. Canner's looked all right, but they haven't been standouts. And sometimes that's the case coming off injuries. So, um, you know, they have a couple games under their belt. Let's see what next week brings for them, right? Exactly. But moving on to game number 56, Durham. This game was against Nashville, and this wasn't just any other game, Durham. This was not just any other game in the season. This was the first-ever game day on the first-ever official Seattle Kraken Day. Why was it Seattle Kraken Day? Great. I love how you asked. March 2nd, baby. Look at look at uh, March 2nd. 3 slash 2. What does that represent? That represents the 32nd NHL team to become a team in the NHL. So that's why it was Seattle Kraken Day. And uh, I believe it was the mayor of Seattle actually uh, deemed it that officially. Uh, I believe it was the day before the game. But nevertheless... Uh, pretty cool that that happened and that they named that the, the Seattle Kraken Day. And the fact that they had a game scheduled on that day makes it pretty special too.
1: Yeah, I wonder if that just worked out or if they were like,
0: heh, 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 32. Yeah. And Durham, the boys came to play in this hockey game, even without their top goal scorers. Like we said, no Jared McCann, no Schwartzy. Um, the boys showed up on Seattle Kraken day and came up with a huge four to three victory against the Nashville Predators. What a game it was!
1: Yeah, and it was Dredger getting the nod and net for the Kraken for this game, going head to head against Saros, who carried this Predators team a lot of games this season.
0: No, he really has. Um, if You go take a look at Saros, and like right now, they're they're definitely struggling a bit. Uh, you know. Teams go through it. I think Minnesota's struggling hard right now. Nashville, same thing. Uh, Teams will go through these stretches, and when you have 82 games, it's a grind, right? But you take a look at Saros' stats for the most part this season, you know, 30, 35-plus save games all the time, and he he seems to lead his team to a lot of victories, you know, on on his back. So, um, you know, just speaks to the volumes of how good of a goalie he really is. But yeah, jumping into the first period, man, um, for the most part, it was kind of a low event first period for the Kraken, I would say.
1: Yeah. A lot of bad turnovers early, you know, Vince Dunn kind of had a rough start to the game, who was a catalyst for a lot of those turnovers early.
0: Have, <laughs> I feel like we've said that before. Have we said that before on this spot?
1: Might've said that before. Like we've said that
0: before poor Vince Dunn, man, poor Vince Dunn. It's amazing. Um, he never really noticed that in his game in St. Louis, but God, a lot of that has been exposed on Seattle, hasn't it?
1: It's because he didn't play in St. Louis. He just uh, Vince watched.
0: Dump? Oh, <laughs> fair, fair. I see what you're saying. Okay, but yeah, jumping into it, it was uh, Philip Tomasino. He grabbed the first goal of the game uh, after a pretty strong forecheck there from Norse candidate Roman Yossi. And then I think Michael McCarran was the one who kind of fed it out front to uh, Tomasino there. Unfortunately, Gio was a little late getting there in order to tie him up. And uh, the Preds led one nothing after 20 minutes.
1: Yeah, something about that young blood getting away from the old bucks there. Shit happens, yeah. I guess. Fucking father exactly. time gets us all. You know, and... and uh, right. Oh, sorry.
0: Yeah, no, I was just going to say, things kind of weren't looking that good, too, um, in the second period. Yanni Gord, he goes off for a slashing penalty, and Duchesne makes the crack and play, play. They make him pay with a lethal wrister to top shelf, and that would put the Preds up by two with about uh, 13.06 left in the period there.
1: Yeah, and then after that, Larson just gets caught flat-footed. Or wait, that was when it happened. Whoops, not after. This is the same time shit going on right now. He just gets caught flat-footed, though, when Duchesne picks up the pass with speed. He's able to step up and around him and just scores off a clean shot there.
0: Yeah, that was pretty nice, I, you know, by Duchesne, not going to lie. Uh, Larson caught flat-footed there. Uh, that was unfortunate. It wasn't really a, a great play by him. But things really turned around for the Kraken after that, Durham, because, you know, we've seen the, one of the craziest sequences – of the whole season for the Kraken. Just 29 seconds later, Seattle executes a very beautiful breakout play, leading to a two-on-one for Johansson and Wenberg. Johansson toe-drags the sliding defenseman, feeds it over to Wenberg, who puts home the goal. Kraken are on the board, baby.
1: Yeah, just a perfectly executed two-on-one by Seattle there. Momentum really felt like it shifted after that goal.
0: Uh, Yeah, and... Just another minute, 35 seconds after that first Kraken goal, they score again. Another strong forecheck. Morgan Geeky causes the Preds defenseman to turn it over uh, right to Everly there. And Everly's is able to find uh, Callie Yarncrock, your ya boy, boy, going hard to the net. He feeds him the biscuit and your boy, boy makes no mistake whatsoever. And that was his 11th on the year.
1: Yeah, and just like that, the Kraken had tied the game, but you know what, folks? They weren't fucking done there, because a minute four later, Seattle with another successful breakout, starting with Vince Dunn, finds Colin Blackwell, who makes a great play on his backhand to find Yanni Gordon the slot for a one-timer. That rhymed, baby. Let's go. Kraken would take the 3-2 lead in this game at this point.
0: Look at you, just rhyming on the spot, but holy shit, an explosion of goals, Durham. Three goals in two minutes and 39 seconds. Where has that been
1: all season? Where would they be in the standings with that? Do that once a game.
0: Just once a game, that's all you need. Man, and honestly, yeah, it was one of the craziest sequences I think we've seen all year. And honestly, I, that's maybe the loudest I've heard climate pledge since opening night. Um, that building completely erupted with emotion. And I was, I was sitting there, you know, I, I was, I was, I was ready to inject that into my veins. Let's just say that.
1: Yeah. That was just some hot shit. I mean, it felt so great. Wakes everybody up. You're kind of sitting there and just, Oh my God, look at us go.
0: Yeah. Uh, And it was, it felt really good. And then before that period ended, though, Nashville, once again, tying the game right back up with another goal from Matt Duchesne. Bit of a lucky bounce that time off the boards, I thought. Um, But nevertheless, uh, it set things up for a beauty game winner in the third, didn't it?
1: Oh, you bet your ass it did. And in the third period there, Donato takes a slashing penalty. The Kraken would go down a man. Two players step up big time to score yet another shorthanded goal for the Kraken, baby.
0: Yeah, Colin Blackwell, Yanni Gord, you lovely sons of bitches. That was a beautiful play. Those guys have been clicking since they've been together.
1: Yeah, strong strong forecheck from Yanni Gord chasing down Philip Forsberg behind Nashville's net like the bulldog that he is. Just picks him off and finds Blackwell out front. Then after about five whacks at the puck there, it finds a way to trickle through Soros, giving Seattle the lead in the hockey game.
0: Oh boy, that was sick. I was fired right up. And oh my god, what a fucking selly by Blackwell, too. Hey, eh? just drops to the knee and just gives her the biggest fist pump of pure adrenaline. Uh that was a thing of beauty. That that just had me so fired up, dude. I was I was fucking doing the uh, throwing my glove up and pretending to shoot at it like I was Solani in my fucking living room. I was so fired up.
1: The finish flash, baby.
0: Yeah, and and that that's how hockey's played, baby. You outwork your opponents, and good things will happen, right?
1: Yeah, and the Kraken would ride that goal to the final seconds and take home the win. Those are the good things that happen. First win in seven games, and what a night to break that streak
0: perfect night to break that streak uh it's been a long road since uh the last victory durham and this was well worth the wait not gonna lie um it just felt so so good man and uh the biggest the biggest notice um especially in that third period this was just not the same third period that we're used to seeing from this team was it Typically, they'd roll over pretty much, pretty easy and lose these tight battles. This time they score a shorthanded goal. And not only that, they continued applying pressure and they outshot Nashville 15 to three, even when they had that one goal lead. And that was that was remarkable. They, you could tell they were rarely fired up for this game. And uh, what a victory.
1: Yeah, I mean, just a great game all around for the Kraken. Extra props to Blackwell and Gord, who both had two-point nights and teamed up for the go-ahead goal shorthanded for the Kraken. And, oh, boy, did that victory feel good. <laughs> it felt good. No, it was
0: awesome. No, it felt good. And, you know, obviously we're in the situation where uh, we have to really appreciate these Kraken wins because uh, they're not going to be coming uh, – You know, we're not going to see a lot of them for the rest of the year, it feels like. So um, enjoy every single one while they come. And that was one that was just so exciting. Uh, Some great hockey. Like we said, kind of a bit of a slow start, but it ended with a fucking bang and uh, another beautiful shorthanded goal from the Kraken. And yeah, just felt nice, eh?
1: Oh, it felt amazing to watch. Are you kidding me? After watching them lose for six games in a row?
0: Yeah. And then last night they played Washington. So yeah, after that huge win against the Preds, um, Drieger was, you know, he was earned, he was given his second start in a row. Kind of came as a surprise a bit, but I guess if you're facing the Canes the next night, you want Krubauer going up against uh, them instead. So at the same time, not very, very shocking, but uh, this would be the first game of uh, a five game road trip for the Kraken. So Uh, That was not the only big news heading into the game last night, though, Durham.
1: No, no, no. The big spotlight was on our captain, Mark Giordano, playing in game 1,000 of his NHL career. And what a moment for him. I mean, how special is that for a guy like Mark Giordano?
0: Oh, I mean, it's super special. And, you know, taking a look at some of these stats. First off, we've mentioned it before. This guy's undrafted. How many times do you see a guy who is undrafted go on to play a 1,000 games uh, in his NHL career? It doesn't happen often, does
1: it? No, no, there's not that many to be able to pull that off.
0: No, like, um, I could be wrong, but the last defenseman I thought to do it was uh, Dan Boyle. So that might Uh... be the last D to do it. Not typically, not... The last yeah i can't think of it.
1: another one
0: either way it's a rarity and it just speaks volumes to how friggin' good this guy's been for so many so many seasons now take a look at his stats going into the game he had 999 games played of course 149 goals 383 assists for 532 Career points and 800 penalty minutes on top of that. So what a career it's been so far for this guy. That's just outstanding, and we fucking love our captain, Mark Giordano.
1: Yeah, and that's not where the big news is done either. We've got Seattle getting two studs back into their lineup as both Jared McCann and Jaden Schwartz return to the team and were slotted on the top line with Jordan Eberle.
0: Yeah, uh, that was a huge, huge boost for that Kraken offense, like we talked about. Um, Unfortunately, it did mean, uh, you know, these guys coming back in, that means they had to drop a player off the roster, and that player ended up being Austin Czarnik, and he would be put on waivers. And today, he ended up getting picked up by, yep, you guessed it, dude, the New York Islanders, the exact same team that he came from. How many times is that now? Four times this year, where they've picked a guy up and he ended up right back on the same team.
1: Right, go with what you know.
0: Yeah, no, no, it's it's kind of funny. It's uh, you know, it's like Seattle's just a quick uh, quick stop and then they go right back to the team. You think uh, Barry Boulay at the start of the year? Um, who is the defenseman they picked off Detroit?
1: Cholowski.
0: Uh, Cholowski. Uh, That was the same scenario there. Nathan Bastion. Nathan Bastion went back to, uh, yep, the New Jersey Devils there. Now we're seeing it with Cezarnik. So it's kind of crazy how many times it has happened if we look at it. But nevertheless, jumping into that first period, uh, pretty good pace to uh, to the game early on. Uh, The Kraken were, you know, picking things up where they left off uh, against Nashville the other game. And tons of great looks off the cycle. I really liked uh, the way uh, Morgan Geeky's line with him, Sheehan and Donskoy. They looked pretty good and they had Washington on their heels a couple times in the first half of that first period.
1: Yeah. And I mean, even though the Kraken were clearly the better team to start the game, two plays in a row for Washington leads to -to back-to-back goals for the Capitals.
0: Yeah, that was rough. Uh, Especially they were out playing the Caps to start, things off and then but yeah that first goal for washington coming off Ovi, of course rushing the puck up the ice uh has a nice little toe drag move and uh is able to just kind of slip it through the legs of the kraken d there and finds wilson streaking in behind him and he just is able to get that backhand off and beat trigger so yeah unfortunate but kind of nice goal at the same time and uh tom wilson who doesn't want this guy on his on their team I mean, maybe you because you're a Pittsburgh fan, but I think most teams are going to want a guy like Tom Wilson on their team.
1: I'm a Pittsburgh fan, and I would still love Tom Wilson on our team because then we'd never have to play against him.
0: Yeah, right answer. Correct answer every time. And, fuck, 34 seconds after that, dude, Orlov's able to get a look from the point uh, after a quick little capital cycle and he just wires a shot five hole on Draeger for a quick lead and that was a freaking that was a weak goal right there
1: yeah that's definitely one he's gonna want back and you know might have been laying into Hacksaw's mind as to why he's like mm, I'm gonna go with Drieger or go with not Group Grubauer for the next five games in a row again yeah we might just see
0: that um yeah after that the Kraken did manage to get a power play look and Got to be honest, that was the farthest thing from what a power play should look like. That was brutal.
1: Yeah, but you know what? It would not matter because Jonas Donskoy picks up garbage in front of the net and scores goal number two on the year. Just a huge goal from Donnie to get the boys on the board before the end of the first there.
0: Yeah, that was uh, that was great, dude. Um, Donnie, second goal of the year. What is he on pace for three, perhaps, now? So um, you know, big tire pump from the guy who makes nice passes, but, uh, doesn't score often. So anytime Don's going scores right now, we, we gotta be pretty excited. Um, but how, what about Carson Susie? I know we were, uh, pumping his tires on the pod, um, but like the last couple pods, but he deserves it, man. Uh, he was out there just eating Ovi shots. Like it was nothing, man. He, he just does it all for this team, uh, night in and night out. I love Carson Susie and I, He's on this team in the future.
1: He better be because blocking shots fucking hurts and he does it for just the fun of the game.
0: Kind of sounds like a guy I know whose ankles are uh, chewed up right now. Right. <laughs> Despite the 10 6 lead in shots, though, the Kraken had, they're still down a goal heading into the second period um but the Kraken uh they start that period pretty hot just one minute into the frame and it's Colin Blackwell picks up his own puck off a blocked shot uh from his own shot attempt and he puts home his second goal in the last two games there stay hot Colin eh
1: yeah I'm fuck he's on it right now he's starting to click like you said with Gord there
0: yeah no that's a combination I've loved seeing in those two games and even again tonight they were looking pretty good didn't manage to get on the board, but facing a tough Canes team. But uh, I love the co- the combination of those two guys. They bring a lot of speed and tenacity uh, on that same line. They played really, really well together. So hope that is a combo we continue to see in uh, the future here.
1: Yeah, and then uh, things would stay pretty calm in the period there until about the halfway mark when Jaden Schwartz would tangle up with Orlov, who slides into the boards awkwardly, drawing a penalty against old Schwartzy there. And unfortunately, Connor Sheary gets a rebound goal late in the power play to give Washington their lead back. Hooray. Yeah,
0: that was unfortunate. And uh yeah, um, that was pretty much all the goal scoring we've seen in that second period. Just both teams just plotting the one goal each. Um tough, man. Tough to give up power play goals against this Washington team. That's the that's uh you know, one of those teams where they're so lethal on it. And unfortunately, I had to leave after that second period. I had to go play uh, some hockey, so I didn't attend my own hockey game. But uh, any time you see an update on your phone that Obi scored on the power play to start the third period, you could pretty much picture exactly how it went down in your head, eh?
1: <laughs> yeah, it goes up, goes D to D, and Obi's the second D, and just bam, it's in the net usually. That's yeah, got to be 85% of them.
0: I was going to say 85 90%. Um, you know he's standing in that uh, that slot, or not the slot, but his spot on the side marks, or the, or you know the point <clears throat> right around that area, and he's just gonna one tee blast him into that. And that was just 47 seconds into the third, so uh, that really bit the Kraken in the ass.
1: Yeah, they never really recovered after that. You know Washington would put the game away with an empty netter, shocker, and Kraken would lose another game five to two, shocker again. Yeah, what's
0: with this team losing five to two all the time? I'm seriously gonna start putting money down on that as a score. <laughs> Might Why make not? a few bucks. And uh, <clears throat> honestly, it wasn't really a good game for Chris Drager. He ended up giving up uh the four goals on just twenty four shots against. Um, so not exactly the greatest stat line for him in this uh hockey game.
1: Yeah, I mean sure the first one was real nice and the last or the fourth one there is the you know, the OB bomb on the peeper, but mm-hmm. Still, you got to be a little bit better.
0: Yeah, and the power play kind of stunk in this game once again. Uh, it's been such a struggle for that team. Um, so going 0-3 and then uh, the penalty kill, which leading into this game was absolute dynamite. You surrender the two goals on just the two opportunities. So they don't even end up killing a single power like penalty against either. So uh, when you look at those special teams numbers, Uh, especially against a team like Washington, you're not really going to give yourself a great chance to win the game, uh, you know, coming out with those type of special team stats.
1: Yeah, no, you're probably not going to give yourself a good shot at W's, especially Mm -hmm. with a team like Obechkin. If you give them two power plays, they're probably going to score two power play goals.
0: Yeah, which they did. So the Kraken, you know, four games, it was a busy week of hockey for the Kraken, only managing to pick up the two points out of a possible eight. Um, but you know, a couple of close games there to the San Jose game, pretty good effort in that one. I love the way it started and obviously that Nashville game was insane and I loved watching that. Every single part of that game was just unbelievable. Getting the win on Kraken day and then tonight's game against Carolina, a really, really good effort against a really strong team. So, uh, you know, the, the one win to three losses looks bad, but um, I don't think it was as terrible as it as it looks on paper, eh?
1: No, I mean, you if you'd have sat down and watched the games, you'd have been like, shit, okay. Washington's the only one that really pissed me off. Nashville, you won it. Carolina, just a fucking good hockey game. And San Jose, you were bound to lose to them eventually, right?
0: Yeah, and some unfortunate calls from the refs too. Uh, kind of, you know, put that game away a bit for the Kraken. So unfortunate there, but taking a look we have an exciting week ahead of games uh another canadian road trip this time we're going to the east and starting things off tuesday march 8th against uh the toronto maple leafs this is a game that uh this is a team that blew us away pretty hard last game eh
1: oh man did they ever they came out firing and just to be honest kicked the, crack in the <clears> ass <throat> left right and center Yeah,
0: that's exactly what they did. I believe, what, 6-1 victory. Um, So this time they're in Toronto looking for some revenge. What do you expect from this game? They have a couple more guys back now that should help, uh, you know, try to perform a bit better. But Toronto, again, very high offense, very, very tough team to uh, go up against, uh, especially when you give up the power plays. And Austin Matthews, I think he's one of the hottest players in the league right now. Uh, Complete domination from him. A lot of people are chatting about this guy for Hart and Selkie nominations. So um, that just speaks to how good he's been. Eh?
1: Yeah, both Matthews and Marner actually since uh, January 1st are second in the league with 37 points. Marner's done yeah, 22 ooh. games. Matthews got 25. There's Hubert Goudreau, and Kachuk all have one more point than them. So that could definitely change after the Leafs play Seattle.
0: It certainly can. We're hoping it doesn't. But again, yeah, you're right, man. Marner, uh, after a, a bit of a slowish start to his year, he's really taken off and just, you know, proving the elite player that he really is. eh?
1: Yeah, he's definitely found a groove and him and Matthews have shown their chemistry are able to pop off right now and they're definitely just flying.
0: Yeah, that's going to be a tough matchup. Um, The one thing uh, with Toronto right now is they are having some struggles with goaltending. I I believe you go back to that January 1st date that you had mentioned and you take a look at their goaltending. I, I think they're 31st in the league uh between their two goalies if you put their stats together for save percentages and goals against it's kind of brutal looking actually so i wonder uh, what happens with their goaltending going into trade deadline if they do any moves there um or they sit tight that'll be very interesting to watch see how that breaks out
1: they're trying to be the 80s oilers we will win
0: 6-4
1: yeah just relying on
0: grant Fuhr to make that one save they really need to make sure they secure that victory Exactly. Six 6'4", dude, it was like 8'7".
1: Eight, eight, ah, seven. I was being generous. <laughs>
0: but, yeah, no, that'll be interesting. Do you think there's a goalie out there they could target?
1: Uh, I'd heard Fleury been kind of rumored around Toronto, but every big name gets kind of rumored around Toronto. But then i also seen that Fleury told the GM in Chicago he's not getting traded.
0: Yeah, I read that uh, today, actually, just on an Instagram post that he uh, – made it clear that he, he just wants to stay with Chicago and uh, doesn't want his family moving around or up, you know, uh, doing any of that. So uh, he seems pretty content to just play out his final year with Chicago and a bit shocking, not going to lie.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's a guy who doesn't really want to do a whole lot of moving around in the first place, right? Like he's had what, 15, 16 years in one town and then, gets told that Vegas is going to be the team that he's going to retire with and gets all of a sudden shipped out of there and told the to fuck off. And Then that same yeah. year, there you were contemplating retiring and the team convinces you to take one run at it, go for one year in Chicago, and now during that one year, they're like, hey, can we trade you? I'd fucking tell them to piss off too.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, fair point. Um, yeah, that was ugly how things ended with Vegas. The fact that uh, people on Twitter basically knew before he did and just how uh, how he was told about and everything, that was, that was rough, especially for a goalie who's going to be in the Hall of Fame, right? Like, you got to treat him way better than that. Not only that, he carried the fucking team to a Stanley Cup final berth in his first year and put up ridiculous numbers during his tenure with that uh, Vegas team.
1: And was the face of the franchise for the first three years.
0: Oh, yeah, he was no doubt the biggest acquisition they got in that expansion draft, and he's such a lovable guy, too. How could you even do something like that to him? Just a disgrace to him. Exactly.
1: It was fucking pathetic.
0: Yeah, but moving on here, um, obviously a tough matchup against Toronto. Uh, two nights later, Thursday, March 10th, they're going to be in Ottawa, in the capital, facing off against the Ottawa Senators. Uh a team who's really struggled as of recently. They've been dropping some big games, and uh, they did have a a good stretch of hockey just a couple weeks ago, and then it seemed like everything's kind of falling apart for this hockey team again. But this is going to be an exciting one. And Durham, we might be live on YouTube with a watch-along for this game on March 10th, on the Thursday there, starting at 5 o'clock Mountain Pacific or Mountain Pacific, Pacific Mountain time, and that's going to be exciting because uh, we might be teaming up with another uh, another partner from the THPN network uh, to do a little live watch along for that game. So I'm excited about that. So uh, yeah, there's the shocking news that I'm uh, dropping your way right now.
1: Boom. boom, boom! Just hit me with it. I'm ready. Oh to- yeah. Your Ottawa Senators get their <laughs> shit pumped
0: it could happen but either way i am absolutely fired up for this game dude um fired up for the watch along that should be tons of fun but just watching my two favorite teams go at it uh, it's going to be an adrenaline rush and no matter what happens what team wins and loses um you know i guarantee i'm going to be happy either way so uh that's a moral victory on my part so i love that um but taking a look at the NHL standings, so they play Ottawa there and then they play Montreal, right? So yep. these teams are, you know, three of the, last, the four last place teams. You start to look at those NHL standings and these games could come down uh, as being very, very important games uh, by the end of the season and where these teams stand in uh, the final rankings in the standings, dude.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's pretty tight down at the bottom there. And especially with the bottom 10 teams being the only teams allowed in the lottery, you'd kind of like to see your team win, but not too much at this point in the year.
0: Yeah, yeah. You you almost want them to start to drop games. Um, you know, Ottawa's lost their last four. And, you know, they do still have four more games to play than Seattle. So that makes up a, a big difference. And plus, they're four points up on them right now but Seattle, you know, they win that game, uh, Ottawa keeps on struggling. Seattle could pass them. Um, you can kind of see that situation with Montreal, who they play next to, uh, Montreal has 56 games played currently to the Krakens 58, and they're just two points behind Seattle. And, you know, let's jump into Montreal here because they are a team that has been winning hockey games. I mean, look at their last 10 games played, all under the new coach, Martin St. Louis. They're 7-3-0 and Durham. What has changed with this Montreal team?
1: Well, their young guys are being allowed to just pop off and get the job done, right? They're allowed mm. to just go into situations and try and create offense and solve problems for themselves. And that's what I really like about St. Louis. He's allowing their best players to be their best players.
0: Yeah. And I'm not going to say I called it, but um, with the way Cole Caulfield's playing and he's basically a point per game guy now under Martin St. Louis, not going to say I called it, but I did see a big change around coming with guys like him and and Nick Suzuki is absolutely going off right now too. But yeah, he's just allowing them to be more creative and play to their strengths more. And that's really helping this Montreal team. And like you said, their young their young studs are stepping up and starting to produce. And uh, not only that, they have some veterans stepping up. Ben Chirot, I think he's got seven points in his last eight games. I think if you look at his stats from last year, this guy's a defensive defenseman. This guy doesn't put up points. He had nine points in over 50 games last year. In his last eight games, he has seven points. Where's that coming from?
1: Ah, fuck, I don't know. Caulfield's (laughs) banking them in off of (laughs) him. Left you speechless there, eh? Wasn't ready for Chirot there. I was looking at (laughs) Caulfield and Suzuki. I was trying to think which team's going to send a first-round pick to Montreal for Chirot now that he's scoring points, apparently.
0: Dude, I think they're actually going to get a first-round pick for this guy. And he's going to end up playing on a third pair on some team and might even be that seventh defenseman who scratched. So I think he, it's going to be an overpayment either way. So I think Montreal is going to end up fleecing a team uh, by trading Sherratt right now.
1: Speaking of defenseman trades where a mm-hmm. team fucking fleeced the other team, how's Rhys Line and working out in Philadelphia?
0: Oh my God. I seen uh, Jay Fresh, uh, that Twitter account there, you know, where he puts up uh,
1: you know, yep. basically
0: a little analytical chart of players. Um it, it projects out of like a hundred percent. And I think Reese was one or two percent. It looked ugly. Everything was in the red. It just, it was so bad and not only a first rounder, but what was it? A top 10 pick dude? Or was it just outside of the top 10? Either way. I think, it was,
1: I think it was just outside, but it was a first rounder plus. And they're looking at extending him for 6.3 a year.
0: Oh my gosh, Some, something is in the water there in Philly. What a shit show. Holy shit, man.
1: Oops. But
0: what else do you do? You trade it away so much. Do you cut your losses with them, or do you try to sign them and hope it's a bounce back here uh, in Philadelphia land?
1: Fuck, you trade them before the deadline. <laughs> try, try and hope there's another team like Philadelphia. <laughs> hey, I like oh, him. Yeah.
0: Maybe you just pay him in cheesesteaks or something.
1: They're like that you know, insecure kind of college girl. I can fix him. <laughs>
0: uh, that's that's funny. But, yeah, game previews, man. Uh, Canadian road trip. I'm pretty psyched. This is going to be a lot of fun games. And uh, a plus for you, you're on the East Coast. So uh, not so many late game starts for you. So that, you got to be pretty amped about that. You could, you could get through most of these games, I would hope.
1: I'm going to be able to watch all of them
0: yeah yeah exactly so yeah i'm pumped for you just about that and um we're gonna see some fun matchups i love watching games against toronto ottawa montreal these were the teams we grew up against or you know grew up watching a lot and and we were around a lot of their fan bases mainly toronto um but you know yeah because
1: ottawa doesn't have fans
0: oh shove it up your butt bud. Uh, But, okay, fair enough, fair enough. But excited for this week. Only the three games, but uh, it's going to be tons of fun watching the Kraken go up against these Canadian teams. Kraken fans, the NHL season has been packed with dirty dangles, hat tricks, and big wins. As the action rolls on, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has your shot to win big too. New customers can bet just one dollar on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's right. A bump in the win column for your team means free bets for you. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have a shot to light the lamp. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot and millions of dollars in total prizes with their very first deposit. So, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, bet just $1 on any NHL team, and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. All right, welcome back, Kraken fans, and uh, Durham. We got a bit of Kraken news to talk about here, so why don't you hit us with that?
1: Yeah, Seattle puts pen to paper there and signs undrafted prospect Ty Cart Cartier Cartieses Cartie Cartieses. I believe it is Cartier.
0: Yeah, Cartier. Cartier.
1: Ty Cartier to a three-year entry-level contract. He's currently playing in the O for the Sioux Greyhounds and is tearing it up as an overager. So he's 20 years old for those of you that don't follow Canadian junior.
0: Yeah, I believe, uh, yeah, overager. So he's 20 years old now and he turns 21, I believe, by the end of uh, the month of April there. So technically he's going to finish off as a 21-year-old. But uh, how about this? This is an interesting uh, pickup here or, uh, you know, the depths in the prospect pool here. Uh, the guy currently leads the OHL in power play goals with 17 so far. Uh, so he's an absolute weapon on the man advantage. How important is that to continue to find guys who can produce on the power play? Because this crack in team's power play has been fucking abysmal. And I know we're not expecting this guy to step right in uh, by any means. He's, he, he's going to do, you know, he's going to have his due time. Uh, whether it's the ECHL uh, to start things off, or, you know, they only have, what is it, 12 guys uh, signed to at AHL deals right now, currently. So uh, maybe he's able to play uh, at the Co- uh, Coachella Valley Thunderbirds or Firebirds there. So um, that, that could be a guy who's in the AHL next year and just slowly develops, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, prospects are usually a roll of the dice anyway, so it's kind of a better to have too many than not enough, right? Yep. Yeah, and if this guy's already kind of got a knack for knowing what to do in specific situation, maybe a bit of a goal-scoring touch, as you assume he would have leading the power play goals with 17, and also leads with game-winning goals, so a bit of a clutch gene in him too. So if that develops into an NHL player, then hot damn.
0: Yeah, that's pretty interesting. Uh, nine game winning goals so far on the season for him. So yeah, like you said, he's clutch as fuck. Um, but I, I really like this. That's that's good that they keep on uh, continuing to, uh, to sign some undrafted uh, prospects like this. Um, so this is a guy we're going to have to keep our eyes on. And the Sioux Greyhounds are a pretty, uh, pretty good team this year. They're going to be in the playoffs. So we will definitely be tracking that team's success. And hoping uh, Ty Cartier can maybe uh, try to lead his team into, you know, some deep playoff runs here and continue to put up uh, some outstanding points. So, uh, yeah, he's, he's having a really good year. Even as an overager, uh, I, I like it, though. I, I like the risk, uh, risk. I like the uh, roll of the dice on this kid. So uh, excited to see what he brings, man.
1: All three prospects are good prospects.
0: Exactly. Bone apple tea. you. Um, GM Ron Francis, too, uh, recently quoted saying that uh, the Kraken will be very aggressive and free agency. So that brings us to our next topic here, Durham. Um, After hearing him say that, I had to look at the UFA uh, draft class or UFA class coming up for unrestricted free agents and who's going to be available Um, So made a little list here to present to you of some guys who I think uh, could be on the target list. So I might throw some names out to you and uh, just give me, you know, an idea if they if they fit in the lineup. If you see it as a possibility, they might be signed and maybe like what they can bring to the Seattle Kraken team. So uh, starting things off with uh, a few forwards to touch on. Um, and this first one here I'm going to start you off with is uh, Thomas Hurdle of the San Jose Sharks right now. Um, So this is a guy who's scoring at a pretty good rate uh, for San Jose. He's, uh, you know, gets their top six minutes. He's been a great forward for them. What do you think of Thomas Hurdle?
1: I would love to have him on Seattle, but I think Thomas Hurdle would kind of be be looking for more of a competitive team. You know, he's kind of struggled in San Jose the last few years and I think he would be a guy that would want to go back for a really competitive team right off the get-go, but oh boy, would he be something to inject into this lineup. I mean, on a not great San Jose team, he's able to put up 22 goals in 54 games already this year. He'd be a guy who could probably help our power play. I think he plays mostly the middle there.
0: Yep, definitely plays that middle of the ice. So um, you think of a combination where, he could be you know in the top six center position and you know possibly that first line center position uh most likely looking at moving jared mccann over to the wing and then of course having maddie benears possibly taking on a top six role or you know jumping back and forth between another centerman that we have uh between you know the second and third line center position something like that uh but that could uh add an immense depth and thomas hurdle too is a guy who uh plays handed time too so he's a he's very offensive but he's a bit of a swiss army knife moving right along here though uh, i'm gonna throw another name out Durham, um max domi just because this is a guy who was available they didn't take but uh could you see them picking up uh max domi or, or you know he seems to play that style that might fit the kraken's game so what do you think about that
1: i don't know i think Domi, if that's a guy they really thought would have fit into what they were looking to build or going for, I believe that's somebody they would have just taken in the expansion draft. I don't know if that's a guy they circle around 12 months later and throw a bit of money at him and say, Ah, fuck, sorry, we missed you. But yeah, no, they might. That's, that's just my opinion.
0: Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Uh, I, I, saying that, uh, you know, they have the opportunity to take him and they didn't, that's probably says a lot about you know, probably not taking him. Um, So I do like that. I'm going to throw another name out. This is a right winger who uh, has been through the scenario of an expansion draft before um, with Vegas, and that's Riley Smith. Um, So what do you think he could bring to this team?
1: I think he would bring leadership and kind of stability. And in terms of a guy who's been through this scenario before, like everyone on this roster hasn't been on an expansion team. And that's something Smith would be able to bring. There'd be a lot of questions, especially from, I'm sure, the younger guys or other guys who haven't seen this before. He'd be able to answer a lot of it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I do agree with that. Uh, I like what Riley Smith brings to his game. And you got to imagine Vegas is not going to be able to re-sign this guy at all. They're they're just going to be too uh, strapped to the cap there. They have no room to get this guy signed, in my opinion. So he will be on a new team. And uh, he's a really, really good, reliable right winger. And that could be a guy that uh, the Kraken target, I think. Uh, moving right along to another winger, uh, plays for Anaheim, Ricard Raquel. Uh, more of an offensive type to his game. Uh, so what do you think about this guy?
1: I think he'd be kind of a compliment under Eberly, kind of in the top six there. Maybe not under Eberly, but them working in a tandem on the right side there both of them kind of bring a little bit of an offensive side to their game. And also depending on how long you want to sign him for, Raquel could be a good trade piece to push for a contender towards the deadline. He's a name who's constantly come up for Anaheim in the last couple of years. Yeah,
0: that, that had definitely is the case. I remember, um, I believe last year he was rumored with Toronto. I think there was too much cap troubles to get something done there. Um, But he's been rumored and I would, I would think that he could be a big trade target as well. uh, Upcoming uh, for this uh, trade deadline too, but uh, I like what he he brings. He's got a lot of offense, not the most consistent at times, but um, definitely a big target. And here's another big winger that I'm going to throw out there, Durham. And I really like this guy. I love how he competes and plays and he's able to put up a lot of points. And that is Brian Rust. So uh, this is a guy you're pretty familiar with. So just break down. You know, what it would mean to get a guy like Brian Rust on this team?
1: It would mean we're shelling out a lot of money, I think. I'm pretty sure Rusty's probably looking at at least six and a half, maybe more than seven if he goes to open market. He's a guy that plays penalty kill and power plays, really developed his goal scoring in his hands. He's been he's had speed since he came into the league but he was a guy who would always get that breakaway and fumble the puck as he drove across. But now he's got the hands and the shot to start finishing that. And he's creating opportunities from a distance from the net as well.
0: Yeah. I really like Brian Rust's game. Um, he, you know, he's a bit on the smaller side, but he – He still brings it and that doesn't slow him down at all. And he's a bit of a power play specialist. He's turning into in Pittsburgh right now too. He moves the puck well and and knows where to uh, change his positioning. And he kind of plays that bumper um, whether it's to the slot or he's the finishing guy in that slot for Pittsburgh, it seems. Um, And the Kraken are going to have to find guys who could really start to produce and get it done on the power play. Brian Rust might be at the top of my list if I'm looking to uh, acquire help for that Kraken power play.
1: Yeah, and he brings a lot of versatility as well as a guy who can play both sides as a winger too, right?
0: Yeah, and that goes a long way too because he's comfortable on both sides. So Brian Rust, he would be uh, high up on my target, and you know I'm not familiar – I think he's about, what, 28 years old? 27, 28, 29, around there? Or is he touching on 30? He's 30 now? Okay. So, I mean, anything in that three-year, four-year is a fair deal and and not something that, uh, you know, I think is uh, out of the realm. I think a a guy like Rusty, maybe he wants more of a longer-term deal. Uh, So that'll be interesting. But, you know, being 30, he might be okay with taking a three- to four-year deal. I don't know.
1: My prediction for rust is he stays in Pittsburgh on a six by five years.
0: Interesting. Okay. Um, And one more forward here to talk about, and this might be a bit wishful thinking because um, first off, we don't know if he's going to sign back with his, uh, with his current team. Second of all, he is going to be at the top of a lot of teams lists. If not every team's list, you know, for a guy, for the teams that can afford to sign him. And that is uh, Philip Forsberg, Uh, you know, the high offense winger from the Nashville Predators. Uh, He continues to elevate his game, and this might be the first year where he's actually on pace for over a point a season. So, you know, obviously he's got to get that done in the contract year. Uh, Philip Forsberg, let's talk about this guy for a second. Uh, Do you see any chance they they could sign him? Do you think they could even uh, be one of the teams on his list?
1: I think he could talk to them just to see what it's like in Seattle. And I mean, everyone would want to see, right? It's a new team, new opportunity, new place to live. I think everyone will at least talk to them and kind of scope it out. But I don't think there's a realistic possibility that Philip Forsberg is going to be a Seattle crack at the start of next season. It would be
0: tough to be able to sign a guy like this. And you have to realize, yeah, Seattle is going to have the cap space to do it and he maybe they are the o- one of the only teams who can offer this guy 9 million a year um because he could be asking for that much i mean jeff skinner got it if jeff skinner can get it this guy can get it no problem right
1: yeah that's fucking crazy so he
0: could be uh seattle could end up being uh one of the few teams that could give him that kind of money which could persuade him to come to seattle so That'll be interesting to watch. But uh, at the same time, I think Philip Forsberg is probably looking at a, a contender where he could go find success and uh, spend some of his prime years uh, really trying to get a get a Stanley Cup ring. So, uh, again, that's why I had him as kind of a wishful thinking. Uh, moving right along to the defensemen on my list, I'm going to start with one who has already, I, wa- I wouldn't want to say rumored, But there's been some talk about him potentially being a really good fit for Seattle, and that is Dallas Stars right-handed, right-shot defenseman John Klinberg. So what are your thoughts on him uh, potentially being in a Kraken jersey next season?
1: Well, I've been thinking a lot about that since I read that tweet about him being a good fit and exactly how he would fit in in Seattle. And the more I think about it, the more I think they're right and he would be the perfect guy for them to target. They need a first-pairing right-handed defenseman. Check. They need a D that can run their power play. Bonus if he's right-handed to work with McCann, who's a lefty. Check. Check. And they need a guy that's able to get the puck through on net consistently from the point. Jack.
0: Yeah, I honestly think this guy's going to be really high on their target list. Uh, he's exactly the type of defenseman they need. Uh, they don't have many right-handed defensemen other than Larson, really, and he's just not the guy to uh, to run power play time or be that offensive presence. And John Kleinberg has quite the resume uh, to his offensive game that he's had in Seattle or that he's had in dallas there so i really love the fit and just jumping back to uh your comment about that tweet that was an elliot friedman tweet that was quoted from his podcast uh on 32 thoughts with jeff merrick correct
1: i believe so yeah
0: yeah so it's not just some phony tweet that's a pretty legit reliable source elliot friedman is the insider uh so you know when he's saying stuff like that you got to think there's already been maybe a little bit of noise about that or you know maybe it's just his personal opinion but i do love that
1: fit so do i i think it would be perfect
0: and in my opinion either way they have to target a right-handed uh, defenseman they have to do something to stock that side and you know if they're not able to acquire john Klimberg. What do you think of a more rugged, uh, you know, tougher defenseman, kind of similar to Larson, but you know, still has a different type of presence to his game? Uh, That's that right, right shot defenseman from Anaheim, Josh Manson.
1: That's funny you brought up the Larson similarities because that's the first place my brain went to as well. Was it's kind of the exact same thing as uh, Larson? We'd have a defensive more style d there but uh he obviously is a little bit tougher than larson i think manson is a guy who's not just willing to but he's able to fight as well
0: yeah like he i think he loves fighting i think he 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 can live for that shit sometimes he's a tough guy
1: yeah he's certainly thrown down the mitts a couple times i've seen in anaheim there but i just i don't know i think i'd like to see them add a little bit more of offense from the defense there I do agree Mm -hmm. they need to get some right-handed D though.
0: Yeah. Uh, And the the tough thing is there's not a whole lot in free agency available. John Klingberg is definitely that guy out there who's going to be highly touted for. Um, So I I bring you this last defenseman. Uh, He's not a right-handed shot guy, but he could help uh, bring and establish more offense to the squad. Um, I still think, you know, Vince, Vince Dunn's going to have a future doing it. Um, very, very worried about what Fleury has offense to his game. I just, I haven't seen it yet. I'm not convinced. Um, so I bring this name to you, Hampus Lindholm, who also is from Anaheim. Uh, do you think he could have a, a spot on this team or be somebody they potentially target?
1: Well, I think he'd probably be one of their best defensemen if he had a spot on this team. I think he's a pretty Mm -hmm. steady two way guy. He's really good in transition. You know, he's not going to carry the puck up ice and fly it around and snap it. But when they break the play up, he's pretty quick at being able to process it and getting the pucks into the hands of the guy who's going to process and make sure it goes up ice as quick as possible
0: yeah and uh from the power play perspective too he's not going to be ripping bombs from the point but uh he has a knack for being able to set guys up on the point and move that puck really well and you know help transition that puck and, and get it set up into the 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 offensive zone there so Uh, I do believe this is a guy who's going to be high on their list, especially if they feel like they're out on John Klanberg and unable to get him uh, into a serious consideration to sign with Seattle. Um, So yeah. And for goalies, I don't know, man, I don't know what's going to happen. Drieger. I, I think that's, you know, do they buy that contract out? I don't see it being able to get traded. Uh, His value is at an all-time low right now. His stats are horrendous this year. Um, It might just be one of those things where they hold on to him another season.
1: Yeah, I think right now that's probably your best play. I mean, you obviously reassess it in free agency in that buyout period to see where you're at financially. If you're going to need the couple extra mil to make a big play, then you're going to buy him out. But Mm -hmm. if you don't need it, you're just going to hold on to it, hope his value goes up, and see if something falls in your lap in terms of a trade.
0: I agree. So I don't see anything happening with uh, with goalies on the market. Uh, just because of that, he's still tied into um, his contract, which he signed a uh, three-year, $3 million uh, average annual value. So uh, after this season, he's still signed for two more years. So it, it'll be a tough contract to move. And uh, I just don't see how they could get any value right now. It would almost be them having to give up stuff to get rid of that contract. So which I don't see happening, especially in the position they're in and the comments made by uh, GM Ronnie Francis there. So uh, moving right along to um, stat of the week here, Durham, it was looking a lot better before these last two games, but uh, you want to hit us with the stat of the week to end the show off?
1: Yeah, man, the Kraken have killed off 18 of their last 24 penalties, and during that time span, they've scored three shorthanded goals. So in their last 24 times shorthanded, they've got three goals for and just six against. It's not too shabby.
0: That actually, yeah, not too shabby. I know uh, before these last two games, they gave up uh, back-to-back games where they they've given up two power play goals, I believe, in the last two games each which uh, really hindered the way the stat of the week looked because before that it was uh, killing off 18 of their last 20 um, with a positive uh, goals four. But uh, you look at it now, it's still only, you know, a negative three in that department over the last eight-game stretch. And when you look at it that way, it it still is pretty impressive. So uh, not too bad. That penalty kill stepped up, uh, and the power play is just still garbage
1: power play versus penalty kill game at practice the penalty kill wins and not just because they didn't get scored on
0: i'd love to see that actually that could happen Uh, a little bit of fun in the uh in the practices like that uh but you got anything else to add brother
1: no i think that's all i got
0: wicked i think that pretty much wraps up the episode then uh looking forward to next week we got all those canadian matchups and remember folks if you are on twitter Uh, I will be updating uh, plenty of time before that game against Ottawa about uh, the live watch-along and how that'll work, and uh, you'll be able to watch it on uh, the YouTube channel, the THPN YouTube channel, uh, as well as their Facebook page. So uh, just stay in tune for all of that information. And Durham, I think it's time to get the puck out of here. Uh, So thanks, everyone, for tuning in to episode 24, a.k.a. The Big Rig. Join us next week. We're going to break down all three of those Kraken games, and we'll also have a bit of a prospect update for you guys because some of those players have been tearing it up in their respective leagues, and uh, we'll get you caught up on all of those stats and where those prospects are. And, of course, keep you up to date with all NHL news and all things Kraken. So have a great week, everyone, and peace out, Kraken Nation.